0: clay begins formless, shapeless, and without identity. But the artist knows its end and its design and purpose. And its design is beautiful, exquisite. It represents the craftsmanship and handiwork of its creator. For this clay to be molded and shaped requires detail, time, and precision. It's a process the Creator knows well. The clay must be hydrated, pressure cast, and fired. Only then does it begin to reflect its true purpose. And how is this purpose realized time and time again? The artist looks at the clay and sees the completed work long before he begins. Taking what once seemed like nothing and making something unique, full of purpose and incomparable. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay you are the Potter. We are all the work of Your hand.
1: How are we doing? I was thinking this morning um, in God's Word when He says, "Don't give up meeting together." I wonder if He was thinking about the snowbanks of Minnesota, in which my minivan is stuck this morning. Fun morning in Minnesota, right? We're glad that you're here. Let me pray for us as we begin. Father God, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for its truth in our lives and regardless of our circumstances, that we get to live into um, the reality of what you've given us, the call to live out kingdom lives. And God, we pray that you would just use this church and the individuals in it to be shaped into people that are ready to do that work. god invite us in remind us of who you are but press into us your words of truth this morning in your name we pray amen amen well um a few months ago in the month of november my husband turned 40 years old um and so for the past year we have been thinking like what were we gonna do to celebrate his 40th birthday? Um, what were we gonna do to celebrate um, this important milestone? And over the past year, we had attended a couple of friends' birthday parties um, that were a little bit more fancy. And if you know my husband, like he just does not do fancy. And um, so we would leave those parties, and while they were great for our friends, he made me very aware that that was not for him. Um, So earlier this summer, I figured out the perfect plan. Um, The kids and I all knew and we agreed together that there was one thing in my husband that brought out that inner child but made the rest of us roll our eyes and hide in embarrassment. And that was roller skating. Um, My husband loves to roller skate. And so last November, we rented out a roller rink, We invited a bunch of friends, we ordered a whole bunch of Chris's favorite food, chocolate chip cookies, and we skated the night away. Um, We loved watching our friends and our family, some of whom had never been on roller skates before, figure out how to balance, how to move, and more importantly, like how to stop. Um, But luckily, roller rinks have that carpeted wall that you could just, like, run into in case you need to. Um, So it was a whole lot of fun. Um, I love that every time I told someone what we were going to do for his birthday, they were like, oh, that is so Chris. That is so Chris. Um, So I'd found someone on Etsy, that website for craft people to sell their goods, um, and ordered him this awesome T-shirt. And a picture is going to pop up on the screen. It says on it... Uh, birthday boy, 40 years, Chris, with the intention that he would wear that at his birthday party. And you, usually when you order something on Etsy, you don't have a lot of contact with the seller, but um, I ordered it and then um, he called me. Chris would really appreciate it if you took that picture off the screen now. <laughs> I mean, he's not here, but I think he'd appreciate it. Um, and the seller said, you know, I just want to confirm that you entered the wrong information. Um, you were meant to say Chris's fourth birthday, right? <laughs> and I had to like, repeat it back to him several times, no, it's 4-D, like 4-0. Um, I had to repeat back several times to him. It's, in other words, it's not a kid's birthday party. This is what it's for. Um, These kind of birthdays are huge milestones. It's so much fun to be able to celebrate one another, to have these opportunities to celebrate each other. But as this morning we come to this text and we think about our spiritual lives and the way that God molds us and shapes us, there's a greater issue at stake than just growing another year older. There is a danger that as we grow older, we don't actually grow up. There's a danger that we can grow older, but we don't actually grow up. We don't grow into our faith. We don't grow to deeper levels of maturity. And for the past few weeks, we've been looking at these different images of what it means to be created in the very image of God. And we believe that in studying and looking at the text that we have a lot to learn in terms of stepping into our God-given identity. But we also wanted to explore some of the realities of what it looks like as we step fully into the responsibility of being image bearers in our world. And so the first week, Alicia and I talked about our identity as being like a wax seal on an envelope with that imprint on it. And we invited you to think about what it means to bear the very imprint, the very image of God in our world. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about being God's masterpiece and challenged us with the responsibility of loving and engaging with people across the margins of society, and this week, we're using this image of clay. And for those of you who might be new to this idea of clay being this metaphor in Scripture, there's a spoiler alert here. Like, we are the clay. We are the clay. Like, I am the clay. You're the clay. We are all clay together, right? Your roommate is clay. Your child is is clay, right? Your spouse, you know they're clay. And whether you're eight or whether you're 88, you have not arrived yet. You have not arrived yet. We are all clay together. And us being clay is not in conflict with scientific facts because science tells us, in fact, that our bodies in which we live are made of dust. When I lead a funeral as pastors, we often say, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And we're not just being poetic in that moment, we're being practical, for we are but dust. From dust we were made, and to dust we will return. And science tells us our body is made up of elements around us in the environment in which we are a part. In fact, we know, even with inflation, that our bodies are worth about 10 bucks. Calcium, phosphorus, potassium, like a little bit of sodium. All these things that make up our vessels, our clay pots. About 10 bucks. And what I want you to hear this morning is that God takes all of those elements, all the things that make us up, and he shapes us and molds us, and he's he's forming us into something. And that you have not arrived yet This is not a process that we have an option to take it or leave it because everyone is being formed regardless of their awareness of it. You are being formed by something because everyone as spiritual beings is made in the process of being formed. Robert Mulholland, in his foundational book called An Invitation to a Journey, wrote this. Every thought we hold, every decision we make, Every action we take, every emotion we allow to shape our behavior, every response we make to the world around us, every relationship that we enter into, every reaction we have toward the things that surround us and impinge upon our lives, all of these things, little by little, are shaping us into some kind of being. It's true, right? It's true. He goes on to state some of the goals of our spiritual formation and a warning. He says, We are being shaped into either the wholeness of the image of Christ or a horribly destructive caricature of that image. And he gives this challenge we become. We become either agents of God's healing and liber- liberating grace or carriers of sickness of the world. The direction of our spiritual growth infuses all we do with intimations of either life or death. These words are put a little bit differently as Paul writes them in 2 Timothy. He says this, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. There are some for honorable uses and some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself um, from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, and ready for every good work. Friends, that's what we want to be, ready for every good work. So as we're talking about clay this morning, we're talking about the idea that God takes our very essence, who we are as his people, and he starts molding us and shaping us. And scripture is very clear that the one who does this work is God. He is our father. He's sitting at the wheel patiently and lovingly forming his vessel. The image of a clay um, is an interesting one, and we really see it found throughout Scripture. I bet if you even sat here for a while and thought about it, you would think of these images as they come to mind. Maybe you think of Genesis right in the very beginning, Genesis 2-7, when it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. We are formed from the dust of the earth, given a very spirit by God who breathes this into us. Think about how David writes in the Psalms when he sings in Psalm 119, Your hands made me, they formed me. Both the Old Testament prophets of Isaiah and Jeremiah use this imagery. Yet you, O Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. In the New Testament, Paul echoes this use of the clay metaphor, and he writes, but who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why did you make me like this? I think I've heard myself say that to God, actually. Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for special purposes and some for common use? I mean, Paul acknowledges God's power and ultimate authority in this process of forming his people and his role in forming, forming them for a purpose that he would then ultimately fulfill. I love that as you look at scripture and you look throughout the text at that word formed. I love that you never find it out of the context of a relationship. In other words, when the word formed is used, there is always this relationship present. And God, in his relationship with us, he forms us. He is not separate from his creation. He is not far off and distant, but he is intimately at work in the forming of something new, something completely and uniquely you. Have you ever been to a pottery studio? Like it's dusty and it's dirty and potters are wearing aprons and those aprons couldn't even begin to cover the splatter of what is going on as these pots take shape. As they're using water to shape their creation and especially if you're around a potter who is just like beginning And they could get that thing on the wheel and they don't have it centered and it starts flying and it just goes spinning off, right? It's actually kind of dangerous. (laughs) But as we talk about this this morning, whatever image of God that comes to mind, I want you to think about God wearing an apron, smiling at his creation, like elbow deep in that dusty clay. Friends, do you notice the way that God is molding you? Do you notice the way that he has just given shape to your life? I want to give you some other ways to think about this for just a minute. Do you sense that you're moldable? Are you different now than you were one year ago or five years ago? Do you embrace new teaching and find ways to apply it in your life? Do you accept feedback from loving sources? Do you seek to make changes? Do you have friends and family who speak truth into your life or would your reaction to that truth cause them to think twice? Do you take risks in your life? To start new conversations, to open up your home to new people, to try something new? Or does the fear of the unknown keep you from action? Do you notice and learn from the events that happen in your life? And do you recognize the ways that those impact you? Does your prayer life involve more talking or listening? Friends, if we aren't paying attention, we won't know how God fully wants to use us. Because the shape of the pot determines its use. The shape of the pot determines its function. So the way that the potter is shaping us determines how he wants to use us. And I want to get into that more in just a minute. But there's one essential to this whole process that we haven't mentioned yet. We have the potter, we have the clay, and yet what does the potter need to mold that clay? What do they use? Water, water, water is essential. Like without water, the clay gets dried out. It can't be pressed, it can't be squeezed and shaped into something. Water on hands of the potter, it does the forming. In the same way, there are things that God uses to give shape to our lives. There are tools that God uses that are like the water that gives shape and that keeps our lives pliable I'm ready for the hands of the potter. And I just want to give you five things this morning, really quick, to have you think about your own lives. And um, five things. I was going to take the first letter of the word and make each word and make a word, make an acronym. There's no vowels. (laughs) So (laughs) I had my kids working on it. No, No one could figure it out. So here we are. So we're going to just think about a star for a minute, and I'm going to put it on five points of the star. With me? Okay, good. So the first one that we're going to think about is scripture. And maybe this is obvious, but this is the primary way that God molds our lives, that he gives us his word, his scripture to keep our lives tender and moldable as we allow God's story to impact our story. And friends, as we look ahead to Lent, which is actually right around the corner, that's a great time, or our Sunday school class where we're reading through the word. These are great times to really get invested in scripture and saying, God, here I am ready to be moldable to the shape of your teaching. So scripture. The second thing is relationships. What relationships are in your life? These could be mentors or teachers or coaches or friends, but they're also individuals that as you look at your life, it just seemed like God dropped them in your life at that specific moment for a specific purpose. These are people that speak truth into our lives when we need it but we also have to place ourselves in context where those relationships can happen, right? We need to invest in those relationships. And they're not just for the young, but at every stage we need people around us who are speaking truth into us. This makes our lives pliable. The next thing are spiritual practices or disciplines. Spiritual practices and disciplines, every relationship that we have survives because it has rhythms in it. It has rhythms in it. Whether it's a friend that you always meet at the same coffee shop or a group of people that you grab a pickup game with at the gym, these relationships exist because they have a rhythm to them. And the same is true of our relationship with Jesus. We get to have rhythms in this relationship that give life and that breathe truth. These rhythms are things like fasting and prayer and solitude and journaling and giving and taking Sabbath and worship. These are things that keep us on the wheel of the potter. The next thing is ministry or like practical service. And I want to invite you for a minute to think about where you are giving of yourself Where are you taking what you have and offering it to someone else? And here's the thing, like I can't judge that for you. I can't tell you what is service and what is not. I can only invite you to think about, are you taking your time and your resources and your treasure and are you offering it to God for his use? This keeps us humble. This keeps us under the teaching of our good father. And the last one is life experiences or circumstances. Life experiences or circumstances, <clears throat> because our life experiences shape us, don't they? Whether for the good or for the bad, maybe you had a graduation from college that was really important to you. Maybe you had a mission trip experience that just shaped you in some way. Maybe you've been through an illness and you can see in your life it was like before this and after this. These things give us shape and they allow us to serve from a place of, I've been there. I've been there. I've gone through that before. And I need you to remind you, I need to remind you, as we look at these five things, friends, that Satan will do everything possible to disengage us from this. He will do everything possible to keep us from the water that keeps us pliable and keeps our lives taking shape. He will go to any means necessary to do things, to make this feel more challenging, more impossible, or just get you to the point where you just don't care. Ever feel that way? I just don't want to do it anymore. I know in my own life there are times where I see people who are following Jesus and maybe they're just a little bit ahead of me in life. Or maybe they're older than I am and I am just drawn to Christ in them. I see what they're doing, and I see what they're about, and I just think, I just want to be in their space. And so I just like hang out in their world, or I follow them on social media just because I want to watch their life. And a lot of times, it's because they have these five things going. And in my head, I think, "Clean, they're just someone who has had a whole lot of water. There's someone who has a whole lot of water. We are clay, and we are shaped for his use, but finally, our shape determines our function. Our shape determines our function. This is a basic idea, and honestly, I see well-intentioned people ignore this truth all the time. And I think in scripture, we could see there's some exceptions. I mean, you think about some exceptions in the Bible, Moses, who God said, you know what, I want the Egyptians free from slavery. And God said, I'm going to have you go speak to the king. And Moses was like, I don't do that. Like, It's not my shape. And God was like, actually, yes, you do. Um, And God provided the means for him to go and do something regardless of his shape. But primarily the biggest clue in our lives of what God wants us to do is actually what he's already doing and bringing out in our lives. So it's important to pay attention to. And here's the deal. Our shapes are supposed to be different. Our shapes are supposed to be different. And not only should they be different, but we should be celebrating their differences. We should be celebrating their differences. And it grieves my heart sometimes when as Christians, we deal with fear and inadequacy. When we compare ourselves with someone else and their pot and we think, I'm not good enough. Or maybe we label ourselves as broken or chipped. Or when we allow things like gender or social status or things like race or gender to become barriers to us doing the work of God. Instead, the means through which God wants to work. Friends, we all have narratives in our head and our heart that we need to deal with in order to be fully who he created us to be. Your storyline, the fact that God has shaped you, is one of the biggest indicators of what he wants for you. And in closing, I just want to give you a few examples of how I see that in our church. And the first one is this. This um, picture that's gonna be put up on the screen is of my friend, Sierra. Sierra um, came to our church from the Naomi House ministry. You got that, Kevin? Okay, so in your head, you're gonna picture Sierra. Um, Sierra came to us from our Naomi House ministry, and she um, has been a part of our church for the past five years. Um, She is coming with her son, Davion. Um, Everyone calls him Bacon. You can ask her about that story. Um, And God has brought her through a lot. Um, You don't end up at the Naomi house because life has been easy on you. And that might be her story to tell someday. Um, But this fall, we started reading a devotional um, on Wednesday night with the ladies in the gathering. And the idea was to give them time to share and then to have some prayer time. And then we would do whatever else we were gonna do that night. And after the first night, Sarah said, you know what, I think I need to lead that time. Like every week. And she's done it. Like she reads it through in advance, she prays through it, she thinks about what she's gonna share with the ladies. And here's the thing she says things to the women that I could never say. I could never say because God has shaped her. She talks about her struggles with her son's father and their different parenting styles. She talks about the faith she needs to have when there's more bills than money, or what it means to have confidence. When you come from a pattern of abuse. And we just get to cheer her on because she is leading out of an understanding of who she is. And I need her to be her because I'm not that. I'm not that. That's not my story. I need her to be who she is because I need to be the church with her. The other person I've been noticing this in is my dad. Ever since um, my parents moved up from Chicago a number of years ago, they've been a part of our church. Um, They're actually down in Chicago this weekend, so I can talk about him. I actually texted him. I said, is this okay? And he said, yeah. Um, When my parents moved up, my dad started getting together with some of the guys that he had used to play football with at Bethel. And that group turned into a Bible study, and that Bible study has been meeting in my parents' home. And I know when they meet because my mom escapes to my house. Um, she shows up at my door and it's like, all right, it's Bible study night. Here we go. And um, I called my dad late one night and I've noticed that these guys, they're not just studying the word, like they're letting God shape them. And you've been in experiences where that feels different. And so I called my dad late one night and he said, Hey, like, I just have a minute. We just finished Bible study. And we found out one of the guys in the group is struggling with pornography. And he watches it on his iPad. So he invited us all to drive 25 minutes to his house so we can all stomp on his iPad. (laughs) He was so excited. And if you know my dad, he's a large guy and his friends are all large guys. And I said, I have a feeling this is going to be a very effective night for you. Like you have been made for this moment. Like get after it. And I couldn't do what his Bible study is doing and what they just did together and how they're holding their friends accountable because that's not me. And that's not you, and we just get to cheer them on. I see parents in our church who have had kids in the NICU or have gone through incredible loss, and you are finding ways to connect with other parents, and you have allowed your shape and your color to be a way that other people feel the presence of Jesus. I've had several people come up to me after our fall suicide awareness night And then our break the silence workshop and one of our struggles, our students came up to me and said, you know what, God, use that information to allow me to help a friend. She took the business card and she stuck it in her phone case. And when her friend was struggling and at her lowest moment, she had that information in her card, in her phone. And I need her to do this because I'm not in high school I don't know her people, but she does. She does. Friends, do you see how beautiful this is? The potential and the opportunity that is all around us is incredible. And you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have a specific amount of money in the bank. You just have to be tender and pliable in the hands of a very, very good Potter. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for your Word this morning. I thank you for the truth of it. And yet, even as I say these words, I know in my own life and in my own heart the things that you are molding. And it's not easy, God. I feel the pressure. I feel the push. Father, make us moldable. Make us pliable to your hand. And in those areas where maybe, God, we don't fully trust that you're good, would you change our heart? Would you work in us to allow you, to allow ourselves to trust you more fully? We love you, God, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your truth. May it be evident in our shape today. In your name we pray. Amen.